morning, First Alliance. It's an honor to be here to share this morning. Before I share, let's pray. Father, we come before you now, and as we dive into your word this morning, as we see what your Holy Spirit has to offer and give to us this morning, may we receive it with open arms. And Father, as I speak, may it it come from you and not from me personally. Lord, I ask that you would be with all of us here today. Father, we pray that you would be with Pastor Jesse and his family as they travel, God, that you would give them traveling mercies. We pray for Sam and his family that you would continue to strengthen them and all the leadership here at this church. Father, I pray for this congregation that you would uplift them and empower them in ways they have never felt it before. And Lord, just give me strength today as I speak. In your son's name we pray, amen. Kindness through our speech is the topic of what I'm speaking on today. And forgive me if I get a little emotional as I speak today. Um, Two months ago today, my mother passed away. So uh, I'm working through this, but I know God is able. Amen? Kindness through our speech is something of a hot topic for me. (laughs) About 10 years ago, this coming November, I was in a leadership position, and I had been groomed to take over a, a ministry. And I found out of a certain situation that had taken place. And I was dealing with things quietly, and as I was dealing with things quietly, the people involved did not like what I was doing and how I was dealing with it. Words were said about me that were not kind, that were hurtful and hateful, not only about myself, but my wife and my children. And I can remember thinking and being devastated and hurt and angry and to be totally honest with you, ready to punch somebody in the face. I'm not going to lie. I had a a dear gentleman come and speak with me, with the district. And he sat me down and he said, Andrew, I want to tell you one thing. Keep your mouth shut because God's going to deal with it in his way that he sees fit. Fast forward to seven years ago, this coming July. The one gentleman who eliminated my job had a stroke. It took the speech from him. And he could no longer speak the way he spoke. He was a great orator. Had spoke in different churches all over the country. And as he would speak, he was totally empowered by the Holy Spirit as he spoke. But unfortunately, he was my superior at the time, and he listened to the words that had been said about me that were not true. And so our relationship was severed deeply for about 10 months. As that time went by and I went and apologized for having anger and animosity towards he and his wife. There was reconciliation. 
But like I said, three years ago, on my wife's birthday, my mom called me and said, Dad just had a stroke. I need you. I was on crutches because I had ruptured my Achilles and fractured my ankle. And as my mom pulled up in front of the house, I've never seen her drive that way. She slammed on the brakes and the car went, and she hopped out of the car and I said, you're not driving, I'll drive. And mind you, my Achilles was my right foot, my driving foot. And I said, I'll do a better job driving with my left foot than you will driving right now. We got to the hospital and dad came through it. When we came home, my wife and I were at the privilege to take care of him. He took us into his room and he said, come, come. And I said, yeah, dad, what's up? He said, I am sorry. I am sorry. I have to fix it. When you say you are sorry, oh, seven years later after something took place, I just smiled and said, it's good. You're alive, you're home, and you don't have to apologize. Kindness through our speech is very receptive. This is a hot topic in church is what I'm going to talk about today. It affects every church. I've never publicly said what I just said to any audience. What we have to understand is how we speak to each other, how we love each other, and how we communicate about each other needs to be glorifying to God and not to man. Do you agree with that? Say amen if you do. Who am I? I have no respect for justice. I maim without killing. I break hearts and ruin lives. I am cruel and malicious and gather strength with age. The more I am quoted, the more I am believed. I flourish at every level of society. My victims are helpless. They cannot protect themselves against me because I have no name and no face. To track me down is impossible. The harder you try, the more elusive I become. I am nobody's friend. Once I tarnish a reputation, it is never the same. I topple governments and ruin marriages. I destroy careers and cause heartache and sleepless nights. I wreck churches and separate Christians. I spawn suspicion and generate grief. Make innocent people cry on their pillows. My name even hisses. I am gossip. If you have your Bibles or your phones, you can turn in your Bibles to James chapter 3, verse 6. This isn't to be a negative sermon today. This is to be an uplifting sermon. I want you to understand the reason we talk about this and the reasons for giving glory to God through all circumstances we go through. This verse says, The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire is itself 
and is itself set on fire by hell. Our tongue speaks and lifts people up or tears people down. Question to you all this morning. How do you want to speak to people? Do you want to speak to to people in a way that's going to glorify the Lord and uplift them? Or do you want to speak to people to tear them down? Raise your hand if if you want to tear them down. Say amen if you want to lift them up. That's what we are here to do in the body of the believers here in the church today. And I'm not talking First Alliance. I'm talking the body of the church. I have a little joke for you, if that's okay, to brighten you today. I think it's funny. I told it to one of my students. He happens to be here today. Thank you for coming, Ethan, and your family. Four clergymen took a short break from their busy schedules And they were on a park bench chatting when one of them proposed they should discuss the problems that are disturbing all of them. And they agreed. One of them confessed he consumes alcohol in secret. The other one said he gambles and can't quit. The juiciest of them all, the third one said, I hate to admit it, but I'm attracted to this woman at my church. The fourth one stood up off the bench, walked away, and he goes, I must confess, I have a problem with gossip, and walked away. When we hear something juicy, how quickly do we want to go and say, hey, let me tell you what I just heard. We all do that. I am a victim of it. I am a person who has done it, excuse me, done it, and I am wrong for have done, doing it. Even in John, the third book of John, and it's not one of my slides this morning, talks about spreading malicious nonsense in third John, towards the end of third John, and how a person was not being kind at one of the churches and was spreading malicious nonsense and conversations about what was taking place in that church there. I have one point I'll hit at right now and then I'll have two more and and I promise I won't keep you long but the first question I posed to you all this morning if you want to write it down write it down put it in your notes why do people gossip I can answer that because it's delicious but yet it's so evil we just can't get enough of it we're just like oh this is so good I love it And we're also fascinated by it because here's what happens. You might see something taking place, but you don't know the whole circumstance of it. And then you're like, hey, what happened? Can you tell me what happened? I really want to know. Can you tell me? It's just so interesting. I'm so fascinated by what's taking place. But in Proverbs 18, 8, it says, the words of gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts Oh, it's like going, I don't really eat steak. I eat steak every so often. I just, my body can't take steak, but I've had it every once in a while. And when I chew that steak and I'm just like, oh, that tastes so good. I like it well done. My my family likes it medium well. I want it dead. But it just tastes so good. And no, I don't eat it with steak, A1 steak sauce. I like my ketchup. I put a dip in my ketchup and I eat it. I'm like, mmm, this is good. And some people across the restaurant look at me like, what are you doing, man? But it's just so good. And then it gets down into my belly and I feel it because I'm, mmm, I'm so full. Oh, I can't, mmm. 
But that's what gossip does to us. As we speak and as we talk about it, oh, we're just eating it up. And the more it fills us, the more we just want more. And really, that's something we shouldn't want. We want something that's going to honor God. And if we're going to honor God, we're going to do what? We're not going to pull in the gossip. The second part to this question and answer is, if we're idle. You know, the idle mind is the devil's workshop. Are we going to be idle or are we going to keep busy? The more we sit and do nothing, the more we wonder and speculate and think, hmm, I wonder what that person's doing. Oh, I bet you they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. <laughs> Let me think about this. In 1 Timothy 5.13, it says the following. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies who talk nonsense, saying things they ought not to do. Could you imagine being Jesus walking by and seeing people and he can understand and know what they're thinking and as these women or these men are sitting over here and they're just talking and he knows exactly what they're talking about and Jesus is probably thinking, those poor souls, what is wrong with them? Let's not be idle. When we are idle, we're not doing anything, we're not pleasing to God. But Andrew, what do you mean? I need my time of rest. Yeah, resting is great, resting is great. But when we just sit down and we're like, hey, let me take it back. Oh, yeah. I wonder what Nathan's doing back there in the sound booth. Bet you it's not anything good. He should quit doing that. Why is he on his phone right now in church? What is wrong with him? Now, I know Nathan's not doing that because we're making eye contact right now. And Nathan will let me have it after church. I know that. But really... That's what idleness is. We're just sitting thinking, hmm. Or you look at your neighbor's yard, you know, what is wrong with that person? Why don't they mow their yard? They haven't even edged it in so long. What is wrong with them? Look at these people. They're walking out here with a walker. I can't believe they haven't got out here and mowed their yard. Hold up now. Maybe we should go over there and talk to them and say, how can we help you? How can we be kind to you? How can we show love towards you? Now let's look on to the next point of this question. An uncontrollable desire to take revenge. In Ephesians 4.31, it says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Listen, when we have an undesirable rage to get back at someone, it doesn't do us a bit of good. It causes us to be given and even into more trouble as we get into it. So why do people gossip? Here's your three answers. It's delicious, even though it's evil. And we are so fascinated with it. Your second answer is because we're idle. Our idle mind is the devil's workshop. And I don't want the devil to be in my workshop. I'll tell you that right now. I want the Lord right here. And an uncontrollable desire to take revenge. I remember watching the fight with Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson began to lose the fight and as he was losing the fight he was getting angry you could see it all over his face and as he was you know down he was talking like this you know man I'm gonna get you I'm gonna get you Evander Hill you know and you see Evander come in and, and the rage which is coming from Mike 
he spit out his mouth guard and he went and bit off a piece of Evander's ear. The rage took place, the malice. He became more of an animal. Are we animals in the body of Christ? Or are we believers in the body of Christ wanting to worship him? Now here, let me go on to the next question. Why is gossip so unhealthy? The first one answer to this is to gossip is to rejoice in evil. How many want to rejoice in evil? Raise your hands. Anybody? I don't think any of us do. If you do, let me stand back. 1 Corinthians 13, 6 says this, and this, is, this states it pretty good. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. How many of you want to delight in truth? How many want to show love? Anybody in here? Very good. The second answer to this, why is gossip so unhealthy, is it creates division and disturbs peace. Division is not good. And it disturbs peace. We don't want to disturb and we don't want to divide. We want to come together and we want to encourage and love and show what God can do in the hearts and lives of those believers who are working together. We don't have to agree on everything. A mentor of mine used to look at me and say, Andrew, we can agree to disagree, right? And I said, yeah, we can agree to disagree. We can agree to disagree. And we can agree to disagree and move on because our ultimate goal is reaching those for the love of Jesus Christ who do not have an eternity yet with him. Is that correct? And the third answer to why is gossip unhealthy is, well, let me go back. I want to read that verse one more time. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. How many of us try our best to be truthful in every situation? That's something we just have to, we have to strive for is truth. The next one is Proverbs 16, 28. That goes along with this. It says, a perverse person stirs up conflict and gossip separates close friends. I can remember years ago, I was friends with someone at school. And as I walked around the corner uh, where my dad's office was, they were talking about a date that they had gone on with this particular person that I was in school with. And unbeknownst to them, I don't even know what they were thinking, but they didn't realize my dad's office was right there and he had cracked one of his windows up high and he could hear all the students as they walked by. This particular student said, yeah, I went out with this chick last night. And there was a bunch of guys there. I wasn't with them. And he goes, yeah, man, you know, I had a good time last night. And went on to say some very degrading things about this girl I was going to school with. So my dad, being a concerned dad of 300 kids at the school where he had started, went and sought the mother and father out, brought them in and said, this is what was said. Can you get your daughter? Can we talk? And they talked and come to find out it was not true. The gossip had been spread. It had hurt this young lady's reputation. And then it was addressed with both families. And then the young man said, you know what? I did not. This did not happen. There was a little bit of a conflict there between both families. Not only was there conflict, there was a gossip that, gossip that was being spread and it was close friends and they you know, we, this young lady and this young man thought they had a relationship, a friendship, and it was severed. But that's what, when, what happens when we use words that are cutting and piercing and not truthful. 
It creates division. Why is gossip so unhealthy? The third answer to that is it can distort truth. Thus, the devil is its source. John 8, 44 makes this statement. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was murdered from the beginning, not holding to truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I do not want to be a part of the father of lies. I want to be the part of the father of truth and well-being for those who are around me. My last question I pose is how to deal with gossip. The first answer is that confront them lovingly and firmly. In Matthew 18, 15, 17, it says the following. If your brothers or sisters sin, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Verse 16 says, But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Ephesians 4.15 goes on to say, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every aspect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. Speaking truth in love is not always easy. I think we've all been in that situation before. I can tell this morning's sermon, you guys might be a little uncomfortable, and it's not comfortable for me up here either. But I'm not doing this, I'm not preaching this to, to make people uncomfortable. Sometimes when we speak, we have to be honoring to what the Holy Spirit tells us to speak on. And we need to do that. The second answer to that question, how to deal with gossip, is sever the relationship unless they listen. Why would you sever the relationship, Andrew? Maybe that relationship is causing us harm. It could lead us astray into areas that we could get involved in and that we don't need to be involved in. In Proverbs 20:19, it makes this statement. A gossip betrays a confidence. So avoid anyone who talks too much. I can remember as a kid, there was a gentleman at our school. He just loved to talk. He was the nicest, sweetest man. But man, this guy could talk. And then as he would talk, he would just go off and say all of these elaborate things that took place. And I thought, wow, that's pretty amazing and his wife came to me one day and said Andrew you don't have to believe everything he says he likes to elaborate just a little bit she went like this how much do we elaborate when we talk and what I had found out was unfortunately his relationships had been severed because of his elaborate talking but the Lord dealt with him And that man came around and made a point to seek forgiveness to those people that he had elaborated on. And God used him mightily all the way to the end. He's a sweet man. The third answer to how to deal with gossip is this. See, nothing evil comes from your own lips. It's so easy to say evil and be mean. And yet it's so hard to be kind. I tell my students, Ethan, I think you would agree with me. Think 
before you speak? Do you hear me? Yeah, you hear me say that. My wife goes, Andrew, think before you speak. So I get it from my wife, okay, Ethan? Andrew, think before you speak. Do you want to uplift that person or do you want to demote that person? In Ephesians 4.29, it says the following. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Are we going to benefit those around us this morning? Are we going to uplift those around us this morning? I want to share a quick video. I think we all know this TV show. I grew up watching it. And then after the video, I'll share just a little more. Oh, babe, why don't you go over there and get yourself a candy bar? <laughs> I just didn't want the boy to hear. Speaking of people trying to hide their age, do you know the real reason Rose Blake went to Raleigh? No, why? I thought she went up to visit her niece. That's her story. I happen to know she went to buy a new set of teeth. She is the thing. Oh, my Morning, ladies. My goodness, don't you look happy. Must be cutting somebody up pretty good. Oh, I was just funning. Uh, Heidi, Fred, could I have some sulfur powder? Andy, are you worried? Oh, no, Barney just cut his finger a little bit, taking his gun apart, and I don't even get an infection. Uh, here's a sample. You might as well sprinkle the whole thing on it. All right. Much obliged, Fred. Bye, ladies. Bye, Andy. Just a little cut. And he come running all the way over here for sofa powder. All the way? Emma, the courthouse is just across the street. <laughs> all the same. I think there's more to this. Then meets the eye. <laughs> oh, he says it's a scratch on his finger. But I notice he's calling on one of those miracle drugs to heal Barney. <laughs> Dear, I was right there when Andy came rushing in. Barney got his hand caught in the revolver and got himself a serious infection. Well, the way I heard it, Barney was cleaning his gun or something, and he ripped his arm clear up to his shoulder. <laughs> Do you have a terrible news? Barney Five shot himself in the chest. Now you see how quickly things can change and go bad. Gossip is the devil's radio. In the corporate world, they hate it. They say that gossip kills organizations. Whether it's a global business, a school, a church, or a small partnership, talking behind others' backs is death to the office. Fueling a negative perception about the boss, a direct report, or even a client saps positive energy from all concern and diminishes the success of the organization. Gossip kills families. Being a part of a strong and loving family is a great blessing. One that creates a safe and secure place for everyone fortunate enough to be a part of it. Yet when an estrangement occurs, members take sides and attention is pulled away from taking care of one another and doing our best to contribute to this gift. 
Gossip kills relationships. Women sitting around, and men too, I'm not just going to pick on the ladies, complaining about their husbands or wives, men sharing jokes about wives, friends gossiping about the one who isn't there, we might as well shoot ourselves in the foot, as the saying goes. Only once in this person's marriage, as she writes, in our 35-year marriage did we gossip about one another, and that was the darkest time. Fortunately, we realized the stories were on our own creation, and we let go of the self-fulfilling prophecies that were killing the loving relationship we enjoyed for so long. How can we get past gossip? Become aware of the pain I have caused others with my gossip. Let go of my stories about others one by one until they're all gone. And be present and positive. In the words of, and I'm going to say his name wrong on purpose, Socrates, Socrates. Strong minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events. Weak minds discuss people. Are you a weak-minded person who is a follower of Christ? Are you a strong-minded believer who discusses the future of the church? I would hope we are strong-minded believers who discuss the future of the church that empowers the body of God to do great and mighty things. That is what we are called to do as the body of believers today. I hope I didn't bore you this morning. I, I hope that you understand the importance of the power of words and, and how we say them and how we use them and how we speak and how kindness <clears throat> can speak volumes. When my father apologized to my wife and I, those words spoke volumes to us. And the loyalty that had been lost in those seven years previous to that to myself and my family instantly changed because he spoke power out of his mouth that was uplifting. You see, when you speak power out of your mouth that's uplifting and it empowers you and it changes your whole attitude and your whole outlook on life. My dad would often call me in the last few months of his life Actually, he would make my mom call me because he couldn't dial the phone. And my mom said, he's telling me to call you. And I said, okay, mom, put him on. And so she would put him on speakerphone and he would try to communicate what he was trying to say. And it would take me 10 or 15 minutes and I would finally figure it out. And I said, that's it, dad, we got it. And he goes, thank God. In the last few days of my mom and dad's life, I would often get a phone call from my mom late in the evening, and she would say, Andrew, I need you. I said, Mom, you don't need me just to rely on the Lord. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll talk with you. What do you want me to talk about? I need you to come. Fortunately, we only live four or five minutes away from where my parents were at at the time, and I'd hop in the car, it was 9.30, 10 o'clock, 10.45, and I would drive up there. And as I would drive up there, I would get in, and Mom would just say, Andrew, can you just read? And I'd say, sure, Mom, I'll read. 
So I would read and get the Bible and read. And those words from the Bible were uplifting and encouraging to her and dad. And then dad go, well, let's sing a song. And I said, okay, dad, let's sing a song. And we would sing. You see, the power of words in our speech through whether it's scripture reading or through song can do so much to the heart and the soul of a person in their last days or even in times of sorrow or grief. And as I stood there and would sing with them, I knew their time was short. And we would sing and we would worship and we would pray. But in the last three almost years of my dad's life, he would always go, are you preaching? I said, no, not, not this week, Dad. Well, let me know, because I'm going to be there. You're going to pick me up. And I'd say, all right, Dad. At the church we were serving at before we came here, I would pick him up whether he was in his wheelchair or walker or whatever it was, I would bring him up and set him off to the side. And before I would pr- speak for these last almost three years, I would say, Dad, thank you for being here. And he would say, I wouldn't miss it. I wouldn't miss it. And I got into a habit this was a habit that I enjoyed. Before I would speak, I would go into the audience and he would pray before I would speak. And even though he had aphasia and he couldn't speak well, when he prayed, oh, the power of God and the Holy Spirit fell upon him and words would come out perfectly. He couldn't do that today. But that's all right. Because the words of forgiveness came from his mouth. And the love of God and that he had so filled him and consumed him that now I can share that testimony of the love that he had, the words of enlightenment, through the power of forgiveness and saying, I'm sorry. You see, words mean so much to people, but yet we forget that, and I forget that. Whether being a husband or a father or an an uncle or a friend, I'm at fault at that just as much as the rest of us. So what my dad through his daddy up in heaven, Father God taught him was, let the Holy Spirit empower your words every moment. And don't be negative about people. Find a way to uplift them. Father, we come.